Are you glad to be in the room, Exchange? Well, I'm pumped uh, that you're here with us today. Today, uh, I'm excited to be kicking off week two of this series, The Ways of God. But before I jump into the message, you've come at an exciting time in the life of our ministry and really at the life of Grace Family Church. We've got this small thing coming up. It's called Beautiful Conference. Come on, somebody. If you haven't heard, Beautiful Conference is our annual women's conference at Grace Family Church. 2,000 plus women in the room worshiping Jesus. And I'm so pumped for the women of Grace Family Church and the women of the exchange. It's an incredible gathering and maybe you missed out on registration this year. I want to still invite you to join the move of God because we have a virtual experience that I'm telling you, you would enjoy. So if that's you and you go, I want to be a part of Beautiful Conference. 2024, I want you to go to our website and check it out there. Not only that, Gabby, she mentioned neighborhood groups, and you're going to hear more about it. I'm excited about what God is getting ready to do through neighborhood groups here at the exchange. But as we jump into week two of this series, The Ways of God, I want us to spend our time in John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. And I love this text so much because we get to see a man who in a moment with Jesus, his life, was changed. In a moment with Jesus, his life was changed. If you're there, it reads like this. John chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus, he returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Verse 3. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on these porches. Skips over verse 4. We're going to come to that. It says this in verse 5. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? What a question, Jesus. Would you like to get well? He says, I can't. For I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Today, I want to speak from this simple idea, waiting for a change. Waiting for a change. And I know I typically start my messages with a personal story, but I was reading uh, about a story that took place in 2008. There was a woman in Wichita, Kansas, that because of some things that she was experiencing in her life, she decided it was better for her to lock herself in her bathroom for two whole years. For two whole years. This woman, she found herself at a moment in her life where she was overwhelmed by the things of the world. And she had gone through some things in her childhood. She had some trauma that she never dealt with. She had some things in her life. She had some worry, some anxiety, some doubt in her life. And all of these negative external forces were overwhelming her to the point that she thought it would be better off that she spend her time seated on a toilet for two whole years. Bizarre, I know. You can laugh at some point. It's okay. This woman, she finds herself so overwhelmed, so anxious that she thought she was better off seated in the bathroom of her trailer home. All the while, her boyfriend at the time, he would serve her each and every meal while she was seated at the toilet. Like, y'all, this is some weird stuff, okay? And I, I was just like, what am I reading right now? You ever read something like, what is this? It was one of those moments for me. 
But finally, her, her boyfriend, after two years, he comes to his senses and realizes that she needs help. No kidding. He, he calls the authorities. The authorities come. The police come. And, of course, to our surprise, they found her seated on the toilet. I'm going to spare you some of the details because it's absolutely crazy. But not only was this woman in a place where her, her, her mental and physical health had waned, her legs didn't even work. Her legs had completely gone into atrophy. And the crazy part about all of this is two years later, the story just skips to this. Two years later, they won the lottery. How does that work? So we're like, where are you going with this story? I have a point. As I read that story, it just brought me to this question. What's the place in your life where you're stuck? What's the place in your life where you feel like you've been knocked down by the weight and the force of life? Where you feel like you're stuck in this place called the mat because of people who hurt you or things that you walk through? Maybe you got some trauma in your life that leads you to a life of anxiety or depression or fear or worry. Some of us, we feel stuck because we're struggling with some things in our lives. Can I go deeper? Some of us in the room today, we find ourselves in a place where we are stuck and we're struggling mentally, emotionally, and maybe even physically. And you're so deflated at this moment in your life that you tell yourself this story. I guess it just ends like this. I guess I will always continue to struggle with these things. I, I guess I can't change. And I just want you to know, if you don't take away anything from this message, I just want you to get this simple truth in your heart. It's a lie from the enemy. Because it's one encounter with Jesus that can change your life. It's one encounter with Jesus that can change your life forever. It's one encounter with Jesus that can set you free from an addiction. It's one encounter with Jesus that can give you a sound mind. It's one encounter with Jesus that could restore your joy. It's one encounter with Jesus. And I love this text that we read about in John chapter 5 because we hear about a man who finds himself paralyzed from the waist down. Scripture says he wasn't just paralyzed, he's lying on this mat for 38 years. For 38 years. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that truth, I just can't help but think that like this man, after 38 years of living on this mat, I would probably begin to believe this lie that I guess my life will always be like this, or I, I guess I deserve to be in this position. Scripture doesn't even tell us how he ended up in this predicament, but I'm pretty sure he ended up with a victim mentality. Probably ended up with this woe is me mentality, this victim mentality. And I feel as if a lot of us in this generation, we have a victim mentality. Let me tell you about a victim mentality. It's the woe is me story. It's the, oh, I always got the short end of the stick. It's I don't deserve to be in this situation. There's a pastor by the name of Erwin McManus. He, he wrote this incredible book called The Story We Tell Ourselves. And I want to read a quote to you from Erwin McManus. He says, we all tell ourselves a story. And it sounds like this, I'm too damaged to ever be healed. I've made way too many mistakes to make something of my life. I just can't catch a break. I would have accomplished so much more if others hadn't held me down. I'm not talented enough to do something significant. I don't have enough to do anything significant. I'm the victim of an unfair system. I hear this all the time. I'm the victim of a messed up family. I'm too young to make any responsibility or further moves with my life. I'm too old to start over again. 
And it's the self-limiting stories we tell ourselves endlessly. Just wonder, what's the story you've been telling yourself? What's the story that you have been telling yourself? I hear it from so many guys. Well, you know, Mark, my father walked out of my family. Therefore, I never had an example of what it looked like to honor a woman. Or Mark, you know, my grandfather, he, he struggled with this addiction, and it just runs in my family. It just runs in my blood. Some of us, we've got all these different excuses of addictions and things that run in our veins. Or some of you go, I have a disadvantage because I was born into a dysfunctional, broken family. Or my family came here, here in hopes of a better life, but things never seem to work out. Or maybe you just feel like it's not only people that let you down, but you let yourself down. Mark, you don't understand the skeletons in my closet. Mark, you don't understand some of my mistakes. No, trust me, I do. I, I've been there too. And in this message tonight, I, I just want to help you shift your perspective. Because I believe that so many of us, we're, we're living lives in bondage. We're being robbed of the joy and the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus because we've got a negative mindset. We've got a victim mentality in our life, and so many of us are living life on our mat. And I'm here to tell you today, you can put a line in the sand, and you can get up off your mat today. You can get up off your mat today. See, so often I hear from people, you know, Mark, I, I don't deserve to be in this place, you know. I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this place. The first thing you need to do to get off of your mat is you need to address the lies of the enemy. See, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the enemy, the thief, he does not come ex except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus, friends, he's come that we may have life and life more abundantly. He, he comes that we may have life and life more abundantly. And I think it's oftentimes that we find ourselves on the mat and we allow the enemy to steal our freedom. We allow the enemy to steal our hope. We allow the enemy to steal our joy. And we even allow the enemy to steal our identity. I think about this man on the mat. He finds himself there for 38 years. Pretty sure after a while, the mat wasn't just something he was laying on. It was his identity. This is my identity. This is who I am. I'm nothing but a lame man, a paralyzed man, an invalid man laying on a mat. And it's important you understand, friends, the enemy does not care about the fact that you know that Jesus died to set you free. The enemy doesn't care that you know the simple fact that Jesus died to set you free. The enemy wants to keep you from realizing you're not living free. He wants to keep you from realizing that you're not living free. In John 5, it picks up in verse 1. It says, afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on these porches. Then it skips to verse 5. It says, one. One man. Just love that because Jesus, he always sees the one. One man, he was lying there. He'd been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. He knew he had been ill for a long time. I love the fact that it says Jesus knew this man was ill. What does that mean for you and I? That Jesus knows our pain points in our life. 
that Jesus knows our hangups, that Jesus knows our hurts, that Jesus, he knows our insecurities, that Jesus, he knows our grievances, that Jesus knows our addictions, that Jesus knows all of our negative thoughts, our worries, our fears, our traumas, and our sin. And at the end of the day, I just want you to know, Jesus knows exactly what you need. Not only does he know exactly what you need, he knows he is exactly what you need. He's the one that you need. And so many of us, we keep telling this negative story in my life. I can't change. You're right. You can't change. But he has the power to change you. He has the power to change you. And after Jesus asked this question, well, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well, my friend? You've only been lying on that mat for 38 years. Jesus asked the question, and what does he say in verse 7? I can't. He says, I can't get well, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Just want you to think about this. Jesus, he extends an invitation to change. He says, do you desire change for your life? Do Do you want to break free? But the man says, I can't. Jesus, I can't, I, I can't change. And I just wonder how many of us get a daily invitation from Jesus to change something in our life, but we pass it up. Just wonder how many of us, we get a daily invitation to change, but we go, no, you know what, I've always been this way. I don't know anything different than this. This is just how my story ends. I'm always going to hold on or have to deal with this thing, perhaps This man felt he couldn't change because he didn't believe there was a such thing as change. Just think about this. He's on this mat for 38 years, almost four decades. And all around him, all he can see on a daily basis every time he wakes up is a sea of paralyzed men and women just like himself. There's no way I could change. And what is change? This is all I've seen for the past 38 years of my life. What do you mean I can change? And perhaps this man would have said yes to Jesus, Jesus' invitation, had he gotten around some people who had overcome the struggle. See, what I'm trying to help you understand is oftentimes we stay content with our struggle, we stay content with our addiction, we stay stuck with our hangups and in the same place because we surround ourselves with people who are lying on the mat just like us. We surround ourselves with people who who are wounded just like us or dealing with baggage just like us or overwhelmed and negative just like us or constantly uh, listening listening and talking about the things of the world. We continue to surround ourselves with those type of people. Therefore, we think there's no such thing as change. But in this moment, what I love about this text is that Jesus is not only inviting him to find healing, Jesus is giving him an invitation to get around some people that have been set free. Jesus is giving him an invitation to get around some people that have been healed. And I just wonder how different your life could look, my life could look, if instead of hanging around with people who are wounded just like us, if we made the conscious decision to get around some people who have overcome the struggle. I just wonder how different our lives would look if we invited some people and embraced some voices in our life that could mentor us and stand on the other side of the battle and understand what it looks like to get victory over your sin. We just want to stay comfortable. We get content 
We stay stuck with our pain. We hold on to that specific thing. And in this moment, this man says, I just can't change Jesus. What's the reason why you believe you can't change? For some of us, we, we believe that we can't change because the idea of change is, is scary. Maybe the idea of change isn't just scary. Maybe for you, it's the idea of change. It just seems so overwhelmingly hard. It's the reason why some of you, you've stayed with that girlfriend or that boyfriend that you know isn't good for you. I just feel comfortable here. This just feels safe to me. I don't like the idea of breaking up. I don't know when I'm going to have another boyfriend. I don't like the idea of breaking up. I don't don't know if I'll ever find another girlfriend. Some of us today, we refuse to seek change in our life. In specific areas, some of us, we think about this. I was driving here and I just thought, the idea of finding freedom for some people is so much more scary than holding on to their bondage. The idea of finding healing can be so much more scary than living with pain. For people dealing with addiction, sobriety can be a lot more scary than dealing with the actual addiction. For some of us, forgiving people who have hurt us and have wronged us, it's so much more scary and seems so much more challenging than actually finding and dealing with the unforgiveness. You know, the other day I was talking to uh, one of our local outreach partners and Uh, It's a ministry called No More Ministries. I don't know if you've heard about No More Ministries, but it's an anti-sex trafficking ministry. And as I was having this conversation, they began to just share some statistics with me. One of the things that caught my ear was the fact that now more than ever, there are so many women who are in the industry being prostitutes or thrown into sex trafficking or all these different things that finally they break free, but at the end they always return back to their abuser or their pimp. Why? Because this idea of change seems so foreign and so scary. It's this idea of change that seems overwhelmingly scary. But what I've learned in my life is change can be scary and change can be painful. But nothing is as painful as remaining stuck somewhere you don't belong. And what we don't realize is we're waking up each and every day stuck in a place we don't belong. We're waking up each and every day. Trapped in a life that God didn't call us to live. Yes, change can be scary. Yes, it it, it can seem hard. Yes, it can seem overwhelming. But can I tell you, it's not you that can change your situation. It is only the blood of Jesus that can set you free. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the grace of God. See, I want to help some of you realize tonight. Very simply. It's time for you to experience the change that God wants to offer you. It's time for you to get off of your mat. It's time for you to find the hope and the freedom and the healing, the confidence, the peace. It's time for you to find those things, but you can't find it in your own willpower. You find it in the power that comes from the blood of Jesus. In John 5, verse 3, the story continues says this, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on these porches. Verse 4, we skipped out on verse 4 because a lot of scholars don't believe that it was in the original manuscript. It says this, 
For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred, was healed of whatever disease they had. I just kind of want you to use your imagination now. Could you imagine the sound of these needy men and women screaming and screeching as they attempt to shuffle their way to this pool? Could you imagine what that scene looked like? And as I read that, I just feel like this is just like a, a, a picture of religion. Follow me on this. I, I read this text and specifically this moment of these men and these women trying to get into the pool. And I go, that just sounds and looks like, like religion. Because religion says if I try hard enough to get in that water, I can be healed. If I work hard enough, I can be saved. If you try hard enough, you can change. If you try hard enough, you can break free. If you try hard enough, you can be healed. If you try hard enough, you can find peace. If you confess enough or do enough or perform some spiritual rituals, you can find what you've been in search of. That's the sound of religion. It's all about doing. But the thing that I love about Jesus is Jesus isn't caught up in your doing. Religion is all about doing, but a relationship with Jesus is all about what he's already done. And some of us need to understand the finished work of the cross means I have the power to change because of the blood of Jesus. I don't need to lie on this mat anymore. I don't need to stay stuck in this place anymore. Because of the blood of Jesus, I have the power to change. You got the power to change. Today, you have the power to change. As we get under the voice and the power and the authority of Jesus, friends, we have the power to change. Michelle and I, we were sitting down with a couple about a week ago. And as we were sitting down with this couple, we were having dinner. The wife, she began to get emotional. And Michelle asked her the question, is, is everything okay? And the husband began to tell us, you know, most recently, we had a miscarriage. And following that statement, he says, but it's okay. Because she and I feel like we deserve it because we haven't been living right with God. I just feel like that's the mentality that religion leads us to live with. I deserve it. I, I'm getting what I deserve because of my sin or I'm getting what I deserve because of something that I've done. Can I tell you today? the farthest from the truth because God is not a God of karma. God doesn't give you what you deserve. Our God is a God of grace. He gives you what you don't deserve. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to change his heart. He's a God of grace and he doesn't give you what you deserve. Instead, he gives you what you don't deserve. So many of us go, oh, I want to change more. I've got some things in my life that, that I really want to address. I really want to change some things in my life. But can I tell you today, you can only change those things when you focus on the blood of Jesus. I just want to keep getting this in your heart. Because Jesus, he's extending an invitation to so many of you to experience not only change but life transformation. And I'm just going to pass you. I'm just going to break away from these notes. And I'm just going to be really honest. I love what I get to see on a weekly basis. But more often than not, at the end of the night, I leave broken. Because what I realize is 
So many of us, we get in a faith-filled environment, but the faith only lasts for a moment. So many of us, we, we get in a room in an environment and we get excited when we worship and we hear a message like this and we lift up our hands. But friends, you don't realize this isn't a room just to come and have fun. This is an invitation to change. This environment, it's a, it's a space for you to find life transformation. It's a space for you to find freedom. It's a space for you to find healing. It's a place for you to find peace. And so many of us, we go back home after a Tuesday night and we just keep on visiting the negative thoughts and the negative mindset and the victim mentality. And we keep on finding ourselves laying right back on that mat. And friends, the house of the Lord is not the place just for you to live free. You're called to live free. You're, you're called to find freedom and get free in this house. But you're called Monday to Sunday to walk in your freedom. It is not limited to a Tuesday. This is a lifestyle that God wants you to live. Oh, I want to change. Well, friend, would you accept the invitation from Jesus? Would you accept the invitation from Jesus? See, oftentimes we measure change and life transformation based off of what we see on the outside, but Jesus is more concerned about something taking place on the inside. And in this moment, when we read this text in John chapter 5, I don't want you to just see this as a text or a story that speaks about the healing power of God. I want you to see a story about the transforming work that God wants to do in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in this moment, what we see is this is so much bigger than just this man finding healing. This is a moment for him to find the grace and the mercy of God. See, Jesus was going to show us something far greater that when we come and encounter him, if we come expectant, if we come desiring change, he will answer. He will answer. As I close, I, I was reading this text, and as I started really studying this text, I, I started thinking, in this day and age, what would these people have truly felt and been experiencing? You see, if you were to be a Jewish person in this day and age, when you read this book, you see something so much more than a man getting healed. See, the first thing is this, the pool of Bethesda, when you translate it in its original language, it actually means the pool of mercy and the pool of grace. It means the pool of mercy and it also means the pool of grace, but it's also important you see a few different things. Because the story begins in verse 1 and 2 and it says that Jesus, he came to Jerusalem entering through what? The sheep gate. The sheep gate. And in Jerusalem, the sheep gate was the place that people would come to bring their animal sacrifice. The sheep gate was the place that people would come to present their sacrifice to God to cover all of their sin. But who in this moment walks through the sheep gate? Jesus. And that's why in John chapter 10, Jesus says, not only am I a sheep, but I'm also a shepherd. Because Jesus is actually foreshadowing right there in that moment that he is going to be killed for all of humanity. But he wasn't going to enter and just stay in there. He was going to defeat sin, death, and the grave and return back to humanity. See, at the sheep gate, sheep would only enter, they wouldn't return. But Jesus in this moment, he says, I'm entering the gate and I'm also coming out of the gate. Friends, I don't know about you, but when I hear that truth, I can't help but think, Jesus, he defeated sin, death, and the grave. Not only did he defeat sin, death, and the grave, he defeated your uh, anxiety, your depression, your fear, your worry, your mental illness, the sickness in your body. 
we got to get excited about this because it's the promise of God that one day we will see Jesus face to face. And when we see him face to face, there will be no tears in your eyes. There will be no sickness in your body. You are whole and complete. I don't need to wait on change. It's the promise of God for my life. It's the promise of God for my life. The second thing we see in this text in verse 5, it says that this man was there for 38 years. 38 years and he was lying on this mat. And for any Jewish reader that would read that simple number, they would be reminded of the Israelites trapped in a specific region for 38 years. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14, it says, 38 years passed from the time we left Kadesh until we finally crossed the Zeredic Brook. See, God's chosen people, they found themselves wandering in the wilderness for 38 years because of their unbelief. But this was after God set them free. Just don't want us to miss this. These people were already set free, yet here they find themselves wandering for 38 years in this specific region. Some of you in this room today, God's already saved you, but you're not set free. Some of you today, you, you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. But you've spent majority of your adult years wandering around in the wilderness. 38 years. 38 years he was lying on this mat. 38 years there he finds himself plagued with all of this anxiety, plagued with all of this worry, plagued with all of this doubt going, I guess this is how my story ends. I guess the, this is just the story that my life will tell. See, the other thing that we see when we look at this text is that there were five covered porches. There were five covered porches, Scripture says. Just think it's important whenever we see numbers in the Bible that we, we pause for a moment and go, what is that there for? You see, when it says there were five covered porches, John could have just told us there were porches. But he says there were five covered porches with these men and women lying underneath them. You see, five means penta. And biblically, five means the law. Why? Because the Pentateuch was the law of God. The first five books of the Bible, it's called the Torah or the Pentateuch, the law of God. And as we read the law of God, what we discover is there were 613 commandments that men and women had to uphold. But these men and women couldn't uphold these laws. And as I think about this picture of all of these men and women paralyzed, laying underneath these five covered porches, I just feel like that's a spiritual picture of so many men and women living under the power of the law. You see, because of the blood of Jesus, you and I aren't bound to the law. We've been set free because Jesus said, I didn't come just to be a part of the law. I've come to abolish the law and fulfill the law. But all these men and women, they're living under the authority of the law. 
They're living under the power of the law. And they go, man, this law is just crushing us. This law is killing us. And so many of us, we view Jesus and Christianity in that same light. Man, this Jesus, man, he, he just wants me to do all of these different things. And he, he wants me to live this perfect life. Friends, that's the farthest from the truth. You're not covered by the law. You're covered by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And I just wonder in this moment if this man had known that he was standing face to face with Jesus. How much pain, how much hurt that would have saved him. Because I think oftentimes like this man, we try to do something for ourselves that only Jesus can do for us. You and I, we couldn't uphold the law. It's only Jesus that could. But Jesus, he loved you and I so much that he fulfilled the law. Galatians 5 verse 1, it says, so Christ, he set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. Don't get tied up in the, the slavery of feeling like you need to perform for Jesus. Don't feel like you need to keep it all together. No, there's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in Jesus. He wants you to come as you are. He just loves you way too much to see you stay there. See, not only am I marveling at the fact that these people were laying underneath these covered porches, the number five is also a representation of grace. What they didn't realize is they were not necessarily just covered under the law, but they were covered under the grace of God. John chapter 5 verse 8 says, Jesus told them, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began to walk. See, as I close my message tonight, I want you to know my whole message is intended to bring us to a moment where we realize if we want to experience the change that we've been believing God for in our life, we've got to actually surrender some things at the feet of Jesus. We've actually got to go to Jesus, and it's one encounter with Jesus that has the power to change you instantly and for eternity. You know, I'm passionate about this because at a young, young age, I grew up in the church, but I was always around the things of God. But I never truly surrendered my life to him. And I think so many of us, we come into this room and we get around the things of God, but we haven't surrendered our life to God. We haven't surrendered our life to Jesus. And I, I'm a living testament that the power that God has, he can free you, he can save you, he can heal you, he can change you from the inside out. One of the most funny things is on a Tuesday night when people walk in for the very first time, they see me up on this stage and they go, what the heck is he doing there? Because they know my past. They know where I started. But can I tell you, I didn't change me, Jesus changed me. I'm passionate about this because I, I've not only seen Jesus change me, I've seen Jesus change so many people in my family. I'm passionate about this because I've seen Jesus deliver people from addiction. I'm passionate about this because I've seen Jesus restore people's minds. I'm passionate about this because I've seen Jesus physically heal my sister. He has the power to change your situation. 
You don't have to stay on this mat. Today, you can change. So as I close, I suppose my application is very simple. I didn't even write this part of my message. If you want to experience change in your life, just come to Jesus. If you want to experience change in your life, come to Jesus. But the question we got to start it, start with is what's my mat? What's my mat? What's my addiction? What's my past? What's my mistakes? What's my failures? What are the things that I'm holding on to that has not only paralyzed me physically, it's paralyzing me spiritually and mentally? What's my mat? What's driving your insecurity? What's driving your fear? What's driving your doubt in your life? And the second step that we need to take is we need to get off of our mat. And a lot of us, we, we can't get off of our mat on our own. We need some people to carry us off of our mat. That's why we have groups. That's why we talk about neighborhood groups. We need some people to help us get up off of our mat. And the third thing I want you to know is quit waiting for a change and cry out to Jesus for a change right now. Quit waiting for a change and cry out to Jesus for change right now. I want you to stand on your feet. I love how this story ends because Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get well? He says, I can't. And then right after that, Jesus responds and he says, get up, take up your mat and walk. And every time I read that verse, I always wondered why would Jesus tell him to take the very same thing that would remind him of his pain and his past? Why would Jesus tell him above all else to take the mat with him? This mat, it was his identity. Every time he looked at that mat, he thought about his 38 years of suffering. But maybe Jesus told him to take the mat, not for him, but so that other people could see. Weren't you the man on the mat? And as they asked that question, he had no choice but to tell him, I was, but this is who I am now. I was the man on the but this is who I am now. And I just love that moment because I think that for some of us who have experienced the wonder-working power of God, it awakens our eyes to realize that some of us, we've been the man on the mat, but today we are the man walking with the mat. And when I start carrying my mat, some people start to marvel and say, weren't you the man with the addiction? Didn't you have that struggle? But friends, I had that struggle. I got a testimony in my life. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was sick, but I've been healed. I once couldn't see, but now I can see. I just wonder, is there anyone in the room today that's got a testimony? of the wonder-working power of God. I just wonder, is there anyone in the room that has seen God move in their life? I love this reminder from Jesus in Revelation 12. He says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome some things in our life by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I just know, in a room this size, there's some people that understand the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus. I know that some people in this room have some faith to declare that I know I'm the man on the mat, but I'm leaving this place forever changed. So if you got faith to believe it today, I just want us to respond in faith. Would you lift your hands? Would you call on heaven? Would you call on God? God, I'm on the mat. But today, I give you the mat. 